0: Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees Podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, it's part two of our special summer lawn care show, Zane Roddenbush, Turf and Herbicide Specialist with the Davy Institute in Kent, Ohio, joins us again. And Zane, I wanted to begin with fertilization. Is this a spring thing or something that we do in the
1: fall? Uh, definitely want to do it in the fall. It, fall fertilization is the most important time. Uh, this is when you're growing a lot of roots, you know. Professional turf grass managers, it's all about the fall season. That is really where you begin setting yourself up for success the next year. You'll see that we do a lot of our important practices, aerification. you know, maybe it's amending the soil with organic matter from top dressing, but that fall fertilization and maybe even two fall fertilizations is really the time where, you know, the plant is putting a lot of resources into root growth um, versus shoot growth. Fertilizing in the spring, you'll see, the plants putting a lot of energy into producing new shoots to develop a canopy and not as much of those resources go towards developing roots. So if you really want to prepare your plants to be able to withstand heat and drought, you want them to have a good root system and all that happens in the fall. So yeah, once you start to reach, you know, September, September is a good time to make an application. And then again, sometime in that, you know, early to mid-October, is another good time to put down a second application. And you'll see if, if you're somebody who has traditionally kind of done more of just a spring weed and feed and kind of called it good, you'd be blown away by what a difference that fall fertilization will make for the following year. Fall fertilization too, Doug, really helps with the early spring green up. So you'll see that if you fertilize in the fall, that your yard will actually you know, green up quicker than your neighbors who didn't uh, in the spring months. So yeah, fall is so, so important.
0: So tell me a little bit about the formulation of a fertilizer that would be applied in the fall. Is it different than what would be in the spring since you want that root
1: growth or is it the same fertilizer? Uh, You often see that the nitrogen component in a fall fertilizer will be a lot higher. Often the, the spring fertilizers, because we're not trying to stimulate as much root growth, will contain less nitrogen. So on a bag of fertilizer, you'll see those three numbers, NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Um, you'll often see in a fall fertilizer that the nitrogen number will be higher usually up there above 25 percent maybe closer to 30 percent nitrogen and then you'll also see a lot of times that the potassium number is higher as well for a a winterizer somewhere in that 10 to 15 percent range so you know a good a good winter analysis might be like a a 30 0 10 somewhere in that range Um, and you know, if you've done soil tests and you see that your your soils are deficient in phosphorus, maybe you're going to apply some phosphorus as well. So you'd see that, you know, maybe more like a 35, 10, something like that. So,
0: all right, you bring up soil test. hmm. Tell me about that
1: with a lawn and the importance of that for a homeowner. Yeah, I mean, the amount of information that can be garnished from a $15 soil test is just incredibly invaluable you know for where you are Penn State I'm sure does soil testing you'll see that you can uh, take a sample from your lawn you want to take a sample from that top three to four inches you know so I see sometimes where people take samples down eight inches most of the turf grass roots are going to be confined right to that upper you know three to four inches so you want to sample from that region Um, you want to get a uniform sample so if you're interested in your front lawn you might whole cores three to four inches deep in 10 to 15 spots from around that property, put them in the bag, and they will analyze it and tell you, you know, how much phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, calcium, um, all the micronutrients or many of the micronutrients are in your soil. And So you know, what you might find is that your soil might contain a plentiful amount of some of these nutrients. And really, you can focus on a few or You find the silver bullet that wow you know your soil is really deficient in one of these nutrients that you have not been supplying and it's pretty cool doug if you have a true deficiency in your soil and you supply that nutrient uh, it really does make a difference and it's pretty it's pretty neat to see um how just a little 15 20 tool of a soil test reveals a smoking gun sometimes not always um in general you know soils are somewhat uniform in the undisturbed landscape, but this is where when you start dealing in the urban environment, when you think about how houses are built, this is all disturbed soil. There's no guarantee that there was topsoil put back on your yard. And um, yeah, they're just, they're great tools. So if you've never performed a soil test and you're somebody who's really into your lawn, you know, that you really take pride in how your lawn looks, uh, it's just, it's money well spent. And, And again, it might not reveal that you do anything differently, but at least you know, uh, what nutrients are there and what nutrients you should be focusing on. And Zane here for Penn state, that soil test is only $9, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you'll see that there's different, you know, often like a $9 soil test will tell you potassium or phosphorus, potassium, and it might give you a liming requirement. If you want to start to break out the micros, it might bump it up to that $20 mark. In my opinion, if you're going to go through the, you know, the, the, uh, the work to create the, to get the sample and send it in. I would, I would fork out the extra 10, $15 and get the complete, the complete package if you're willing to do so. But yeah, um, money, money well
0: spent. And in that soil test, could you talk about the importance of pH? What does pH mean? And is that important for growing grass?
1: Yes. So pH is measuring the amount of, of hydrogen protons in the soil. So it's, it's, you know, looking at whether the soil is acidic or neutral or basic. So in general, we would like to see the soil somewhere between that 6.8 to 7.0 pH range. And Doug, when I worked on golf courses, I used to chase this pH number (laughs) all the time in terms of trying to modify it. And from my experiences, changing the pH isn't always that easy. The soils are an amazing buffer. They really are pretty resilient to allowing big changes in their soil chemistry. And so traditionally, if the soil is acidic, so you start seeing pHs below that 6.5 range, this is where liming can be beneficial. So applying lime will help to neutralize some of that acidity and help to bring the soil pH up. From my experiences, if the soil is more acidic, can sometimes be easier to raise the soil pH. If you have a high soil pH, getting up there in the, you know, above 7.0, 7.4, 7.5, 7.6, the options to lower it become less. Elemental sulfur is one of the few options, but elemental sulfur can readily burn the turf. So in my opinion, knowing the soil pH is good information. It's going to tell you um, what nutrients might be readily available under certain pHs, but sometimes trying to chase it and modify it can be fleeting, and you're and you're sometimes better off to just focus on the nutrients that that the pH might be, you know, allowing to be unavailable.
0: Well, Zane, before I let you go, I have a very selfish question about my own property, and that's one of the advantages of being a host of a podcast is, is you get an expert to help you. Here's the situation. I've lived in this property for 25 years. I have a big flat area out there in the shade and it's bad soil. You know, the water pools up on it. I I don't think I can put enough compost on there. You know, I've I've tilled it all before, tilled it once, put some compost down, reseeded the whole thing, but just the soil is so poor. You know, it's what we call a quilted lawn, meaning there's not much grass in there. <laughs> there's mm-hmm. some green, there's some green stuff in there, but there's not much grass. If you were if you were faced with that,
1: what would you tell me to do? What 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 should I do? So you said that water is kind of pooling in that area after heavy precipitation events
0: definitely it's definitely clay you know it, i can i can get that grass to grow with a with a, a a fall sowing and looks great in the spring but as soon as things dry out no matter how much water i put on there it just i just i know from just my experience with soils that it, it's a heavy clay soil and it's been that way forever and even you know. I'll I'll shred the leaves on there. I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, you know, trying to, 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 to help that soil out. The thought of bringing in six yards of compost and it can only be put up there, you know, by, by using a wheelbarrow and brother, I'm 62 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I can run a wheelbarrow, but I don't know if I can
1: move six yards again. Yeah. I, uh, You know, these are the kind of areas where first I do, I like to figure out what is going on with that, with that soil. And I would have it, I would have it tested to really get down to what its texture is, make sure that there isn't something funky going on from a chemistry standpoint. Okay. And then, uh, you know, this is where I don't know what you have seeded it with in the past. Have you ever tried the straight turf type tall fescues or was it a mixture of different species? It
0: was probably just a, a, shade mix that I didn't even know what was in there so that's going to be I'm going to that'll be the first thing the soil test then figuring out what I need to do there I guess from what you're saying and then choosing
1: the right type of seed
0: definitely shady
1: area uh, you said this is a sh- uh, moderate shade or heavy shaded area As I tell everybody on the podcast, I live in an oak forest. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I must've missed that part. I I don't know. I was thinking it was full sun. You know, Doug, for the listeners here, in my opinion, moderate to heavy shade is some of the most challenging places to grow grass on the planet. I mean, uh, make no mistake about it that growing grass in the shade, even for professionals is no easy task. Those plants just simply don't get a lot of a sun to make sugars from. And the problem with plants grown in the shade is they pretty much have no traffic tolerance. So if this is an area that's used readily, you know, where it gets a lot of foot traffic, uh, mower traffic, if it's a confined area, sometimes we see where kind of the traffic has to funnel down through gates or openings. Um, honestly, it can nearly be impossible to grow, you know, sustainable turf in those areas because of the shade. You really, I don't know how you would describe this if it's like, hey, we don't use it. Um, if it's really heavy shade, then I would definitely look towards more of those fine fescue species. I apologize. I must have I scooted past that in your question. The so fine uh, fescue for for the, the
0: shade. And that's the only way to get to the pool, Zane. So there's only two of us left in the house. So there's one little path to the pool and back in summer.
1: <laughs> okay. So this is an area that's receiving, you know, some concentrated traffic, it sounds yep. like. Yep. Yep. It's tough, you know. Make sure you're walking a different path back every time. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe I'll look at Pachysandra. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, honestly, there are times where it's like, well, maybe there should be a path here. You know, if there if there is a if there is a a well defined path and you're trying to grow grass, there are times where I mean, this is where you know I'm not a big fan of synthetic turf, but this is why synthetic turf exists because at some point. Uh, the amount of traffic put on a turf grass surface is just, you know, they can't, we can't grow through that. So um, Doug, before you go, I do have one thing I'd like to, to let all the listeners know as it relates to that summer stress, because um, it's just one that I see is, is a epidemic of a problem. And that's just people being out there mowing their lawns when they're severely drought stressed. If there's one thing that you can do for the benefit of your lawn, if you can clearly see that the lawn is drought stressed, stay off of it. Do not be out there mowing it. Um, This is where you'll start to see streaks uh, in the lawn of dead turf where those tires crush those plants that were under drought stress. Um, You really have to be careful how much you use the lawn when it's kind of in the periods that we're at right now. Um, You know, the grass is not growing when it's when it's in this high heat and drought the plants simply aren't growing the weeds might be unfortunately but the grass is not so if you have the ability to stay off of it i would encourage you to do so
0: well zane i could talk to you about this all day long uh, yeah. i so much appreciate your expertise and and helping me with my little problem uh great stuff and great to talk to you again and next time I think we'll go all about weeds and uh, there's so many other topics we could talk about when it comes to our turf. Thank yeah. you. So much.
1: Thank you so much, Zane. Yeah. You're easy to talk to Doug. I enjoyed it. And, and I hope you have me back again. Oh, I definitely will. <laughs> Thanks again. All right. We'll see you buddy.
0: Well, I think we just covered <laughs> about everything we needed to know about summer and fall lawn care. That was great stuff. And I'm going to start working on my little shady patch as soon as things cool off a bit. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Debut Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show. As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.